2: I found that EFT and ADHD go hand in hand so beautifully because we have got very busy brains. And lots of the time, it is hard to quieten that down. But the tapping um, on the meridian point, so we're tapping away, and it has a physiological reaction, it actually calms our, our nervous system down, it's, it's reducing the cortisol in our bodies. So even though we're sort of talking about things that potentially might be quite triggering, the tapping is calming our bodies down. So we're able to get through things easier, we're able to kind of past the intensity. It's almost like bringing things up and we're releasing it. So the healing is quite quick and efficient about certain things.
0: Hello and welcome to the Women and ADHD podcast. I am your host, Katie Weber. Before we get started, I have a new review to read, this one is from apple podcasts and it is from marilyn2340 marilyn writes grateful for katie i am a newly diagnosed 36 year old woman and this podcast has truly been a lifesaver katie is so relatable kind and soothing i've had so many aha moments while listening especially when i was feeling lost misunderstood or just doubting myself which is often It's a shame that so many women needlessly suffer due to misinformation and lack of research. As a result, many of us get better information and support from podcasts and ADHD groups than from professional clinicians. Thank you, Katie, for your wonderful podcast. You are doing great work, and I really appreciate you. Well, thank you so much, Marilyn. I really appreciate you, too. And I especially appreciate you taking the time to write a review for me. I have ADHD, which means I know firsthand the mental effort involved first in putting your thoughts into words and then stopping whatever you're doing to actually put those words into writing in the form of a review for someone you've never met. It's a very generous act because the more reviews I get, the more this podcast gets seen by other people who really, really need this information. And by taking the time to give me feedback, it also lets me know that I'm doing something worthwhile and I need those reminders constantly because, well, ADHD. So if you're a listener and you've been getting something out of these episodes, please pause right now and head over to Apple Podcasts and give this podcast a review or even just give it a quick five stars. It's a relatively small act that has a really big impact, not only for me, but for any future listeners who will find these interviews and benefit from them. Okay, moving on. Welcome to episode 17, in which I interview the lovely Kate Moore Youssef. Kate is a UK-based well-being and emotional freedom coach. She's also the host of the Ambitious Mum podcast and a mother to four kids. She's passionate about helping people rediscover their confidence, well-being, creativity, and clarity, while tapping into their expansive potential that may have sat dormant for a long time. By using the emotional freedom technique, also known as tapping, she enables her clients to recognize what's been holding them back and guides them to trust their inner connection and the wisdom that's been there all along. Kate works online using EFT with many ADHD and non-ADHD clients across the world. Kate shares in our interview today that her brothers were both diagnosed with ADHD in childhood, but it was overlooked in her at the time. So we talk about her journey of putting the pieces together, as well as how she discovered the emotional freedom technique, and she explains how and why the physical act of tapping can be so helpful for our ADHD brains. I found this super fascinating, and I hope you do too. A quick content warning before we get started – Kate talks briefly about her miscarriage, so please proceed with caution if that is a difficult subject for you. Okay, without further ado, I hope you enjoy. I can't wait to hear all about your coaching business and your podcast because I know both are ADHD related and you work with women who have ADHD, but first let's talk about your own story and, um, you know, how you first came to suspect you had ADHD and kind of what led up to your diagnosis and when that was? So I, so I grew up in a family where
2: I have two brothers and my two brothers have ADHD. And from a very, very young age, I knew all about ADHD and I saw it in my brothers and I knew about it in boys. I'd never met any girls with ADHD. It was always boys. Um, and it was always the telltale signs. And that was just, you know, what I grew up with and what I knew. Um, And I saw the difficulties my parents went through um, back in, I guess it was like the late 80s, early 90s, where Ritalin was like prescribed as like straight away. That was, you know, the go to. Um, And and I guess there wasn't loads of maybe, I don't know if research is the right word, but I I think it was sort of um, quite a one dimensional diagnosis um then fast forward many many years i'm a mum now i've got four kids myself and i never really suspected i had adhd like i grew up and i was quiet i was well behaved um but i did daydream in class and i did struggle and um I guess a lot of my work was always handed in, you know, late and, you know, through university was a very similar path. I, I changed degrees because I didn't like it and lots of little telltale signs, you know, poking up. And then it was only when my daughter, who is nine, um, she's my middle daughter, and she, um, I, I recognised there was something going on with school. And I was recognising that was it wasn't dyslexia quite. It wasn't dyspraxia, but there was hints of both. Um, and I started researching and all the signs were pointing to ADHD in girls. And when I started reading about her, I started seeing lots of telltale signs in myself growing up, but also reading about ADHD as they get older in hormones in women, um, in parenting, in building businesses. And I suddenly realized that so many of the things that I believe have held me back or have troubled me over the years have been related to ADHD. So I went and got diagnosed, you know, literally the same week as my daughter. We both had the diagnosis together um, from different doctors. And that's been, uh, it's been really good for us both. I'm really happy that I'm able to support her and I'm able able to give her, I hope, insights and um, help and support that, you know, I wasn't able to have. Um, No fault to my parents. They were busy doing other things with my brother's. Uh, and I hope that I'm able to, you know, to help her succeed and achieve, um, you know, without having to feel like it's a massive hurdle for her.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think I feel like that is such a common story among women. Uh, I've, I've heard so many others who had brothers who were diagnosed as children, but it was overlooked in them. Um, and then also, you know, seeing seeing some of these telltale signs in your child and um, and then looking over the this list of this laundry list of symptoms and realizing, oh, my goodness, this is my childhood. And then all of those connections, like you said, like, wow, school, wow, relationships, wow, mothering, oh, business, you know, all of it is just like ping, 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 all of these light bulbs yeah. going off. How did your family react when you told them? So I've only been officially diagnosed for
2: about three months. Um, About two years ago, I I started having a few suspicions. I kind of thought, you know, I I do flip from things to things um, and I get, you know, like really, really focused on something. Love it, love it, love it. And then kind of like, the attention dips away. And I started thinking, gosh, maybe, maybe that's a symptom. Um, but I was like, no, 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 women don't get, you know, it's not really a thing that women get. And I would have known about it if, you know, if I'd had it, I would have known about it by now. I'm 40. So I kind of dismissed it. Um, So when I went and had the diagnosis, I was really, really valid, validated. Um, I started joining Facebook groups and really being able to um, recognise so many little things like the the quirks and the things that, you know, my husband would laugh at me about or the things my friends would laugh at me about, the anxieties that I would feel about things that other people wouldn't feel anxiety over. So that I took a bit of time to kind of get that validation and to feel like, wow, okay, this has been in my life for a really long time. And, you know, there's been, it has been a bit of a journey, um, accepting and, and acknowledging it all. So I told my parents and I did I was worried about it because they'd gone through quite a difficult time with you know the my brothers, you know, they got divorced and there was a lot of huge amount of pressure on their relationship. So for me, I didn't want to come out and be like, oh, you know, there's another one <laughs> kind of thing. But my mum, you know, straight away she went, Oh, it's from me. You know, the ADHD comes from me. And I was like, no. Mm, Sherlock yeah I can see that how <laughs> <laughs> so we've kind of like recognized that and and she definitely has it you know I can see that potentially my dad in some way I can see you know certain things as well so it's funny I can see on both sides of the family so yeah it's been I'm still going through that process of talking about it and um and there's no shame there but there is a stigma attached and having to explain yourself to people when they see ADHD as one thing and we understand ADHD to be another thing and so without meaning to be patronising to people it's kind of like well go and do some research, go and do some reading and then come back to me if you've got any issues with it. So I kind of like talk to who I want to talk to about it and you know some people are just like oh yeah okay cool yeah I can see that and some people are like well I can't see that at all. Look at what a success you've made of yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's, and it's very much like, well, do you know what's gone on in my head all these years? Do you know how difficult certain things have been? Uh, And I I think I'm quite good at holding things in, you know, like the masking side and I've been sort of been known to be the capable one. and, And my husband understands me, but I don't really go on about it to lots of other people. So I think I'm definitely in a on a process, and um, it's it's been amazingly validating and eye opening, and I'm excited to see where it takes me.
0: Yeah, there is there is such a an immense sense of validation and relief but with that comes that grief as well like you said realizing how when people say things like you can't have adhd you're so put together or you know you're so accomplished and you're sort of like yes but you don't understand like mm-hmm. how i work 10 times harder to to sort of keep that together one thing i loved when in our correspondence when you, when you were talking about uh, that you finally have a box for the jigsaw puzzle I thought that was such a beautiful met- metaphor for so many levels, you know, of just like not only feeling like your life is all the pieces that have just been tossed on the table um, yeah. and having, but just, you know, having a way to kind of rein it in, having a way to contain it, having um, seeing the the final product almost, you know, has been, I, I think we have such a hard time seeing how all of these pieces can amount to something. And, and so there, it, it was a beautiful description of that feeling
2: I think it was it was funny because when I said it I was like I it was almost it just kind of came out and and it was it is very much like there's been so many different pieces um but I've not been able to come bring it all together to understand I just thought I was like super quirky in certain things and really flaky in other things and really anxious and, and and I just felt like it was just part of my personality but now I can understand it more and I can almost bring it together. So hopefully I can um, work with more ease, you know, you know, for the next
0: chapter of my life. That's what I I hope. And I love what you said about helping your your daughter, too. I think that has been something that, you know, I was diagnosed also during lockdown and so much of my own interest in in it had been suggested to me over the years by my therapist who also has ADHD but it was really like when we started doing remote learning and you know my business fell apart because I was trying to hold my kids up you know and and help out my son and he was really struggling he's also nine and in fourth grade and was he was really struggling and so it's been you know I have so much gratitude for this realization and this and this diagnosis because of how much I can help both my kids um with with some of the things that they are struggling with in school that I struggled with so much and I can kind of look at and explain and and see like okay take a breath this is what we need and and if it, it, honestly, I don't, you know, none of this could have happened without the, without remote learning. So
2: I think I, I completely, I'm in exactly the same situation. I wouldn't have noticed my daughter behaving the way she did, like wriggling and not sitting still, not being able to focus, even though we'd had these conversations with teachers through the years. But because I hadn't seen it with my own eyes properly, And her being able to sit for longer than 15 minutes. And and I was seeing it all before my eyes that I think what you just said then is really beautiful that you you have so much gratitude because I think you can kind of go down a bit of a rabbit hole of berating yourself and and making it worse, almost exacerbating it. But actually to look at it with gratitude, um, you're right because we are able to support our children and we have more awareness than perhaps our parents had where you know it might have been dismissed, we might have been, you know, pushed, you know, to one side, you know, we're not academic, we're not clever, um, we're not able to focus and we're sort of just left. Whereas now we can understand them, we've got tools to help them. And and I hope as you know time goes by and there's more awareness, there's going to be more and more tools. And maybe by the time they go to college or they go to you know start work, they won't struggle with the many things that we may have struggled with, you know. 20, 25 years ago. So mm-hmm. I think that's really a lovely way to reframe
0: it. Right. And and I really hope for the next generation that asking for help is not considered a fault the way somehow it has become for our generation, you know, yeah. as, especially for women. And there's such, there's such resistance and so much stigma around asking for help. And that's one thing I think since my diagnosis, I've really embraced is how much, I require help in certain areas of my life and how there's no shame in that. I really I really hope that that's something that can carry on into adulthood. I think that's so important. I think, first of all, I, I've noticed that
2: women with ADHD are very good delegators. Um, and, and if you move past the shame of wanting help, then we are very good at knowing where our weaknesses lie. And we, we, you know, and I, funnily enough, I did a podcast episode about asking for help. I, I normally interview other guests, but I did a like a solo one. And I literally just spoke for about 20 minutes about removing the shame of of asking for help. And how I actually think it's an amazing feeling for someone to be asked of to help. So if a friend came to me and asked me for help, I'd be so honoured that they, that they chose to ask me that, if you flip it that way, it's a really special thing to say, you know, go to a friend or speak to someone and it shows the vulnerability. It shows that you're human. It's a, it's a way to connect with someone else. So I think asking for help is vital. And um, yeah, and I think it's it's something that I am learning more and more to do. And it's help, It's helping me so much and recognise how much better my life is when
0: I ask for help. Right. Yeah. That's a great point. Reminding, you know, that you're giving a gift to the helper in a way. Yeah, that's beautiful. So now you started this podcast before you were diagnosed, though. Right. So I imagine it must be interesting for you to look back and think about all these sort of ways (laughs) in which you've intuitively come to help yourself and help each other's without realizing kind of what what the label was on all of that yeah very very much so so my podcast is called the
2: ambitious mum and I literally thought of the name in like two seconds because I wanted to speak to other women who were mothers who had ambition that perhaps felt they weren't being fulfilled perhaps their talents weren't being used maybe they'd been at home for a while with their kids and I wanted to speak to other women who had these like harbored dreams or passions and, and they've made a go of it. So these are either women that you know had you know, started a business while they're being a parent or speaking to other women that can support women who are perhaps going through that right now. So I think it was definitely my way of of being able to speak to people that would inspire me and empower me. And I definitely have learned so much from all my guests and it's kind of taken a bit of a, a journey on itself. Like the first series was very much speaking to women who were, were ambitious mums themselves and built businesses and services and around their families. And then the second series is very much more about speaking to other women who build the women up, inspire them, empower them, help them, support them and give lots of um practical advice and insights but also lots of sort of spiritual well-being advice um to be able to kind of almost nurture them so they have got that inner strength to um to do what they want to do to to pick up their passions to you know fulfill themselves through their career so I'm on a bit of a series break now going into series three due to homeschooling (laughs) I've just kind of thought I need to reduce my my load and what is that gonna where can I do that and that is through the podcast so I'm on a bit of a break with that and hopefully that's gonna pick up probably about end of February um but yeah I I very much intuitively ran before my diagnosis of how can I help myself who can I speak to like who's gonna you know, um, inspire me to take the next steps. And, um, it's been a, it's been a really fun journey. I love it. I would say it's a hobby, but
0: it's really helped me with my career as well. This podcast here that I've created was really just an excuse to talk to other (laughs) women. Um, because I realized, you know, I made the connection that I, I, um, Learned so much about myself and my own life from having one-on-one conversations with people. And really, I mean, that was one thing I really, really missed, um, with lockdown and the pandemic was those like co- coffee dates, you know, and, and having those opportunities to have, uh, really sort of intense, intentional one-on-one conversations. And mm. so, um, you know, I was this. Uh, this all came from this kind of selfish hobby of wanting an excuse yeah. to talk to people about about things that I'm interested in and things that I'm struggling with. And I, and I think you know, when you talk about uh, when you talked about. Um, lockdown and the quarantine and, and women and entrepreneurialism. And I mean, all like, I can't be the only one who just felt like everything fell apart. I mean, I know there's Mm. so many of us who, who feel like, you know, we, as women and as mothers were who suddenly we were running our businesses, our kids were going off to school. We had these very like well carved times (laughs) when we were doing our work and when we were doing our parenting and and partners. And then all of a sudden everything just got thrown into a bucket together and um you know that and and then I think that's when we sort of fall into these traditional roles of like having mm-hmm. to you know we become the one who do who does all of that at home labor and and we were the teachers and and the housekeepers and all of these things that we had been able to kind of farm out and and suddenly feeling like, oh my goodness I'm not only am I doing all these things, but I'm doing a terrible job at all of these things mm-hmm. And so it's been fascinating especially talking to women who have, who were diagnosed during pandemic because like of course you know all of these all of my symptoms just escalated so much that's so true I actually I yeah
2: thinking back you're right because I did notice I mean I kind of thought well everyone's anxious so my anxiety is going to be worse um you know my anxiety yeah but I knew I wasn't and I knew I didn't have like severe anxiety growing up it was just certain situations and certain things that would give me anxiety. So I felt that even though I was diagnosed during the pandemic, it was more about the the looking at the bigger picture, like you say, of it. You know, having the kids, the cooking, the housekeeping, the homeschooling, the work, and um, recognizing how difficult it was for me to plan, or um, where I got overwhelmed, or where I just felt like my head was going to explode. It, it, yeah, I think it must have highlighted, you know, the ADHD symptoms. Um, I wonder if I would have been diagnosed otherwise. I don't know, and I don't know if my daughter would. I don't know. It's funny, but I, I think if there is a theme, isn't there, of women being diagnosed recently? Um, and maybe it's because we've all had a bit of time to look inwards, or we've been at home. I don't know. I think there's definitely a, um, a theme going on of of being at home and recognizing
0: ourselves more for sure. And and so you had to, you touched a little bit on things from your childhood where you look back and you think oh my goodness that was of course that was ADHD. Was how did you how did it present itself in your childhood in terms of your schooling, academics or uh, emotional regulation, that sort of thing. And do you see that now and do, you, how, do you, are all four of your children girls?
2: So I've got three girls and one boy. Um, and and I, I think my son has got it mildly. Um, so academically he, he's okay. Um, but he's, he's lots of other things. His sort of, um, executive functioning isn't, isn't the best, but he's okay. And at the moment, you know, we, we don't need to go down that route, but you know, we never say never. Um, and my other two daughters, I I can't see it the same way I saw it with, with my nine-year-old daughter. Um, and, and, her emotional regulation can go up and down and she's very very sensitive and i look back and i think yes i was sensitive but i also had lots of different things thrown into the mix we had uh, we moved countries we moved i moved school many many times uh, my parents got divorced we moved back again to the uk and my parents got remarried so there's no i wouldn't call them traumas with a capital t but they were very small little traumas that kind of kept happening that I don't think would things would have been picked up on because there was bigger things going on so academically you know I'm not saying that I would have been like a doctor but I know I could have done better and I know I could have done better at university and I know I could have focused better at university I could have probably done a different degree had my academic side been better supported um very sensitive, overly um, overly sensitive, which is, you know, um, the RSD side, so it's, I, I look back and I think, yeah, I wasn't, it wasn't detrimental at all, but it did show its head in lots of different ways, um, so I've met other women who, it is, it's really kind of like difficult and they, and it's hard for them to function. Um, I also got married young, and I I really put the two and two together. I got married at the age of 23, and at the time, I was working in PR, in a fast-paced consumer PR agency, and I loved it because it allowed me to be very creative. But then the other side of things where there was lots of um, keeping to deadlines and it was very um, time-sensitive and things that would overwhelm me, I could feel the anxiety. So when I got married, I thought, right, this is a perfect opportunity. I'll go like somewhere quieter and I'll work in a smaller company. But at the same time, I was limiting myself, even though I could have done so well in this big, bright, successful company. I think the ADHD um, took over in that capacity, even though I wanted to be really creative. And when I got married, my husband um, took away a lot of the things I struggled with because he's very efficient and very good with numbers and great with filing and great with money and things that I know I would have struggled with if perhaps I hadn't got married at a young age and perhaps he wasn't as good. So there is an element of guilt there or maybe shame that if he hadn't picked up on all of that stuff for me, how would I have coped? You know, would I have, you know, made all the mortgage payments? Would I know how to file all our financial stuff? Um, Would I be able to have done all the things that he sort of just easily has taken over? But I guess these are coping strategies that I instilled. You know, I did the same with my well-being. Um, So I think we are quite resourceful, ADHD women, and we know, you know, how we can um, hopefully seek out help or or cope with different situations and it is what it is and, and I'm working on that my husband is like why do you why are you you know guilt shaming yourself why are you making yourself feel bad that this is what I enjoy he says I don't enjoy cooking I don't enjoy you know doing the interior of the house I don't enjoy um going off and playing with the kids in nature like these are the things that you do but when you're ADHD you only see I think the things that you're not very good at And that's why I try and help my clients with is, yeah, we're sometimes not great at stuff, but we're also really, really good at other stuff that other people can't do. And you know, if you're in a a healthy relationship, you hope that you both, you know, you and your partner pick up different things and you blend together and create a good family home. And I just seem to have berated myself for a long time that I wasn't the one that, you know, sorted the all the spreadsheets out and things like that but that's what he does that's
0: his job you know so he's happy to do that that's such a great point I relate to that so much my husband also we've been together 20 years and when we met, I was just financially a mess. I mean, I we'd sort of joke about the fact that he, um, one of our first dates, he was at my apartment, and I had creditors and lawyers who had been who were calling me because I had gotten so bad with my credit card debt. And you know, we're talking, and my phone rings, and I sort of pick up my phone and put it back in the cradle, and I'm like, "Yes, where were we?" And he was like, <laughs> "What was?" That what what did you just do? And I was like, Oh, that's the creditors and the <laughs> leaders, they're calling me. And I burst into tears. And I always joke, like, why this band did not just get up and run for the door in that moment? I will never understand. But he, you know, he that's something he's really good at. And so he really like helped me out and sort of took on the, all of the finances. And that's something I don't deal with right now. And I'm so grateful for that. And, and, you know, it's just in so many ways in which we complement each other, but you're so right. We, we tend to take on this narrative of failure and shame. And we're so yeah. have so much, I'm so grateful for all of the competent things he does, but I was never able to see what I brought to the relationship. And so I used to always say, um, you know, I know why I married you, but why did you marry me? And and yeah. now, since my diagnosis, a huge thing that has shifted in my relationship is, is how how I talk to myself and how I think of myself and my worth. And I feel like it must be such a relief for my husband to not have me always bringing that shame and that guilt into any sort of conflict or argument or anything, but, you know, actually see, realizing like, oh, now I, you know, now I'm able to see quite clearly why you've been with me and all the things that I am good at and and I can have gratitude for all the things that you do and how we can complement each other and um I think that's been that's so important and also um oh I lost my second point oh, <laughs> um talking about partners and marriage and what we do oh god oh well um anyway it always
2: happens to me you kind of on a roll and then it just goes. I know, I know. And I'm always like, do I edit that out? I don't know. Maybe we should keep it. It's about ADHD. I think keep it. Right? I think you keep it because it's <laughs> going to come to you in like two hours and then you can add it in. <laughs> but I, I agree with you. And I, I had exactly the same thing. It was almost like an epiphany of once I had the diagnosis and I'd done a, so much more research of recognizing the symptoms, especially in women, of um, that guilt and shame. Of, of feeling that you don't bring anything to the relationship and why would anybody want to be with me and I and I always used to say to my husband like you bring so much like you do so much and you you know you're constantly building me up and I'm like an emotional you know like baggage to you and all these things and he would always say to me look what you bring like I've had enough of this like how can you not see what you bring to this family and you bring to this relationship um But because I put so much onus purely on the financial side, purely on the admin side, and I never kind of thought, well, you know, I do all the food shopping and I do all the food prep. And, uh, you know, he's actually, since we've been at home lockdown, he's actually right now currently making dinner, which is a new thing. Um, And we are really 50-50 and that's how it should be. But I kind of was like, it shouldn't be 50-50, you know, like he earns like the better way to I should be doing way more but he likes it he enjoys it and he's like stop telling me all these bad things about you and um and it, I think it did add like a bit of a pressure to the relationship and since we since I got the diagnosis I has a been I he keeps saying to me like you're so much more chilled like you are your emotional regulation is like calmer like it, it does feel very much like I have accepted and acknowledged who I finally am and um and and that's just who it is and and I'm not in this resistance with myself the whole time and so I feel um, less exhausted like less mentally drained because I'm not constantly trying to figure out what's wrong with me like I have an answer there's the answer and so it just feels a lot easier now and it just feels a lot more aligned and, and that's why I'm so happy to be able to help other women um, with with ADHD because I feel it's a massive burden to carry if we aren't maybe doing some work, a bit of self development work with it, and 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 helping or easing ourselves into this kind of almost new existence. So I, I feel definitely lighter in myself, and
0: and I really hope to bring that to other women as well. Right, I. I... Completely agree, and I also pivoted my yeah. coaching business very quickly to helping women with ADHD because we see those. You know, we recognize the same struggles, and we see how we were able to get from point A to point B. And we, so I think it's you know we have that incredible amount of empathy for women who are might still be struggling and haven't made those connections yeah. yet, and how can we help them? I remembered my other point. <laughs> I just I want to throw it in there before we move on to your coaching, which is. Um, Oftentimes I think when we're unable to see what we bring into the relationship, we, like you said, you know, we, we put so much, um, power and emphasis in the things that we're not able to do and I felt like for me a lot of the time that led to a very like crippling fear of, of being alone of being left you know like having this big fear that my husband was going to drop dead or leave me you know and, and then how was I possibly going to live you know like like putting so much stock in these other things that you aren't able to do because you you stop seeing all the things you are able to do that is unbelievably profound I've just got like goosebumps
2: because that is something that I do worry about and have worried about for many many years of you know obviously god forbid that happens um I'd be heartbroken on every level but also from like a very practical level
0: it'd be like oh my god like I, I wonder if that's I wonder if that's common I wouldn't be surprised Um, Mm. especially when you found, you know, when we we understand how important it is to have a good partner (laughs) and a good Mm. support system. Um, Okay, so let's move on to your coaching business. I want you to tell me about uh, the emotional freedom technique and tapping. I'm very fascinated by all of this. And so where do you want to start? (laughs) So I I guess um,
2: before I was diagnosed, I was kind of like helping women. I would say I kind of targeted... Um, women who were like me, and I and I've kind of, you know, articulated it as um, over, overwhelmed with women with busy minds. And I guess that's an ADHD woman, but I didn't have the the language to explain that. So it was busy mums, overwhelmed women who were trying to juggle it all, who weren't looking after their well being, who were feeling stretched, burnt out, overwhelmed in, you know, lots of capacities. And um, I, Then went and did training with EFT, with emotional freedom technique, which is the tapping. And since I, I actually had a session of that about 10 years ago and it massively helped me. And I've always held it in the back of my head that if um, I would love to help other women that way. And I just was the time was right. So I trained in it and ever since i trained in it i have not been able to go back to the original way i coached i just use tapping um with my clients now and it helps really break down lots of blocks helps people get unstuck in their thinking and you know the ruminating um, we can you know really kind of have shifts in perspective there's a lot more clarity so it for me it's an amazing tool for You know, small things that brings anxiety, but also like really big life affirming changes we want to make. And um, I found that EFT and ADHD go hand in hand so beautifully because we have got very busy brains And lots of the time it is hard to quieten that down, but the tapping um, on the meridian point, so we're tapping away and it has a physiological reaction. It actually calms our our nervous system down. It's, It's reducing the cortisol in our minds, in our bodies, sorry. And so even though we're sort of talking about things that potentially might be quite triggering, the tapping is calming our bodies down. So we're able to get through things easier. We're able to kind of past the intensity it's almost like bringing things up and we're releasing it so the healing is quite quick and efficient about certain things so it's also very intuitive so I work I I, being ADHD being very prescriptive and contained in a very specific therapy is not really how I would like to work so I can kind of roll with my client and, and we kind of get go down like little know different aspects we call it um so I use tapping on myself I use it on my kids especially my daughter with ADHD it really helps calm her emotional regulation um especially if she's like really lost you know you know her her control I guess she's she's having a big tantrum and I'll tap with her and it'll really calm her down I do it in so many different ways but I don't know how I would function without tapping now in my life. And I really enjoy seeing the difference it makes to my clients as well and and how they can empower themselves with a tool that they can use on a very baseline level. So you can literally just tap on the points and learn that in like 10 minutes. But to be a practitioner and to coach with it, there's lots of different techniques that, that we learn. But, you know, if you are prone to anxiety, the homeschooling, you know, I'm telling people, just go into the toilet and just do five minutes tapping and breathing and, you know, just kind of bring that, that kind of intensity down and then go back into the room when you've kind of controlled yourself. So, you know, there's not a big flare up in the family. So yeah, I, I, I love it. And I really feel that I found
0: something that I'm not going to get bored of, <laughs> which is really important to me. Even just watching you, some videos on your Instagram feed, uh, videos or reels um, of you tapping yourself. And even that is calming to watch, even if you're not doing the (laughs) time, just watching you tap. Uh, I mean, I'm learning so much more recently about the ways in which we, are overstimulated and the ways in which we have sensory issues. I never would have said I have sensory issues or, or, or or sense auditory processing issues. I never was in tune with any of that until my diagnosis. And now I'm starting to realize much more, um, how many sensory processing issues I've had my whole life and didn't have a name for, and there is something so intentional about the tapping. It's, it's, um, it's almost like I imagine has the same effect as fidgeting, you know, or, or, um, I don't even have the words for it cause I don't really understand it, but
1: <laughs> I, mean, yeah, I it think is.
0: what you're saying in terms of it intuitively making sense and, and, and the way in which you can kind of bring a lot of chaos into one, um, focused point and, and tap at that, you know? Yeah. And that's what's so great about it is that you can come in
2: with something really focused. So it could be something really like my husband's breathing at night really annoys me, something like that. Or my kid, the way she uses her knife and fork at the table drives me mad. So you can be really focused and or you can come in to a a session and my client would say to me, I'm feeling so anxious and she won't know what she's anxious about. And then we'll start the session with just the big anxiety. And then I'll say, where are you feeling it in your body? And where do you think that's come from? And can you remember the first time you felt this anxiety? And And, and then we really pinpoint. And so it's a very, um, it's, a, it's an empowering technique because we get to understand ourselves better. And we get to recognize it in our body. So we can have like pain in our shoulders or palpitations in our chest or like tightness in our throats. And it's just there. And we don't know why it's there. And we do a bit of investigating and there's curiosity around it. And we can really pinpoint lots of different things that have been with us for years um, through the tapping. So it's actually a really incredible journey to go on because we, we get to know ourselves better. We get to understand the triggers we get to understand how we can um maybe heal ourselves what hasn't been healed um very much um a lot of the work is behind you know um repressed emotions and um, repressed trauma things that have happened to us back in childhood that is affecting us still you know as as adults and you know a lot of limiting beliefs that we hold on to we don't really understand where they come from until we begin the tapping and some, you know, very often I will have clients that will say to me, I've not thought about this memory in 30 years. And I'll take, you know, it'll go back to being a kid in class and being ridiculed by their teacher. And ever since then, they don't want to speak up. They don't want to use their voice. They feel embarrassed to, you know, to have an opinion. And that's carried their way through, you know, up until now. So we we work about clearing a lot of stuff from a long time ago so we can feel more empowered and um emotionally free in the in the present tense and and also be able to look to the future with a lot more positivity um so yeah it i find it a very effective uh, tool for 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 women especially with ADHD
0: mm-hmm. it re- listening to you talk about it reminds me a lot of EMDR therapy yeah. which i imagine there's a lot of crossover there in terms of um I also don't really understand how EMDR works or why it works. It seems like one of those things that psychologists stumbled upon accidentally. Yeah. Um, I used it with the, the alternating pulsating sort of eggs in, in my hands, but I know people use it with light or, or yeah. also tapping. Uh, it was amaz- amazing therapy that I went through for childhood trauma. Uh, how did you discover tapping?
2: So it was about 10 years ago and I went to what I thought was just a therapist and I needed some help. I was in a situation where I couldn't get past, I'd had a miscarriage and I couldn't get past going and trying again for another child. I was so scared that it was going to happen again. Even though I wanted another child, I was so fearful and I and I was so stuck in this fear cycle that I didn't know where to go. So I thought well, I'm going to get some help. And she obviously was a very experienced EFT um, practitioner, and she um, straight away went to me. You know, I'm going to try something with you. Just roll with it. And I had no idea, and I felt really strange doing all this tapping. By the end of the session, I was so calm about trying again for another child that it just didn't, I was like, I can't even believe that I, you know, I was so het up by it, it's like the miscarriage, it wasn't the miscarriage, I was so, I was obviously very upset about it, I'd kind of accepted that, it was just the fear of getting past that, um and and maybe being told, you know, from a sign from the universe, I wasn't meant to have any more children, and so she helped me just move past these these limiting thoughts and beliefs, and that. Helped, stuck in my head so much of how um effective that session was that when I came across it again I thought that yeah definitely and um and yeah so now I'm I'm at this point where I've been doing it for quite a few years and I love it um, and I believe that there's a lot more help to be done in the ADHD arena with EFT for sure and because I understand ADHD so well so when I see a client come to me and they don't even understand themselves that well. We explore and we get curious. And I and I never put words in my clients' mouth. They come to me and we use their own words and they they find it very validating that they can come to this acceptance of their situation um, because they are moving through the emotions that I guess are stuck within them. And so the tapping helps release it. So there's very often there's lots of tears. And you feel kind of emotionally very exhausted by the end of the session in a good way so like someone will come to me and they're like their shoulders are like totally hunched up by the end of the session you can see they're like their shoulders are down they're tired they want to go and like lie down they feel that they have more access to I guess what we're all looking for which is in a piece of, of just being able to recognize that things can get better like there's hope there that you don't have to carry around this burden for the rest of your life. You are you are able to release it and move forward and change and choose to believe that things can get better and that's you know something that we we talk about a lot is is making those choices and that's why I find it a very empowering um way
0: of working with people. Mm, I think also you know we spend so much of our lives not understanding what is happening. I mean you know there's so much of the the way in which we we feel like everybody else got the manual but we didn't and you know we we don't understand why we're not able to do certain things and and um feeling yet at the same time feeling overwhelmingly responsible for that thing and getting it done and so i imagine it's when i was listening to you i felt like there is such incredible power in recognizing the ways in which you were already taking care of yourself without knowing it so like mm-hmm. thinking about when you were talking about the miscarriage and how like you were protecting yourself from that grief that comes from such a traumatic experience in your life and so we were you know it's, you do things to protect yourself from things that cause you pain and so you're actually doing a really great job of taking care of yourself it might you know it might be in a direction you don't want to keep going in or it might have have uh, it lost its efficacy and now you need to try something else. But it's always amazing to me, like how I look back just in my own work with, with my clients as well. Of Like, let's have a moment of gratitude for the, for what you have been doing for yourself mm. and, and how you have been really taking care of yourself, even if you're frustrated at, at what's happening. And, you know, especially like I work with women who binge eat, you know, and, and sort of you know. breaking down like binging and, and that process of like, why do we do it? And we get so frustrated at why we're doing it. We want to like jam ourselves into the square peg, into the round hole feeling of like just fixing it and fixing it without really kind of taking a moment to take to, to deconstruct why you were doing that behavior in the first place. And often yeah. that behavior came from a place of self-love without you realizing it and, and just caring for yourself. That's interesting that you say about the binge thing
2: because um there's a huge connection between ADHD and binge eating. I know this now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and and funny enough I've worked with uh, women who have binge uh, who have binge eaten however you want to you know describe it and um it's very I, the, the tapping has also been really helpful there. Um, and I was really worried to kind of go down that route with the tapping. And Actually, it was it's been an amazing experience to see how women have held on to so many things from the past which have contributed to, like you say, like it's a self-protection mode um, right now. So we we kind of go back to maybe the b- very beginning stages of why they started the binge thing, mm-hmm. and we help with that so they can um, maybe use other techniques moving forwards. But it was only up until recently that I realised I saw the connection between ADHD and binge thing, and it's really quite profound. You know, once you realise it.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, I know it is. I mean, that I think has been so fascinating to me looking back at all of this sort of my own life path and and all of the things that I now associate with with my ADHD. And also in the same with my, you know, like you had said, the clients I was working with were working with me for the same reasons they still are now. It's just a matter, you know, so they probably had ADHD. If somebody, if somebody is attracted to me and my message, then they probably have ADHD. And so it was a very easy, it was very easy for me to pivot my business to working specifically with those women. And I think it's, it's when you can pick up, when you can pick up with a client who has already gotten to the point where she knows she has ADHD, then you can start making these connections a lot faster and you can start saying, Oh, okay, this is why we do this. And, and so even though I was nervous about only, you know, intentionally saying I'm only going to work with women who have ADHD, I felt like, Oh, I'm going to lose all of these clients who Mm -hmm. don't realize they have ADHD yet. I brought on this, you know, we're working on such a higher level of understanding now. It's been it's been so empowering to to focus in on that, and and hopefully more women will start to see relatable memes or recognize themselves in, in our behaviors and and start to realize and make these connections too. I think it's a lot more
2: common than a lot of people realize. But that's what I've recognized. I really recognize that because I can, I'm on this like radar now. So <laughs> I'm oh, like, yeah. she's definitely got it. You've definitely got it. Um, for sure. Like I had a client who didn't tell me she had ADHD and, you know, by the end of the first session, I was like, Oh, I feel like I need to say something to her because I can recognize all these things. And I asked her, I said, you know, um, have you ever thought about perhaps that like, you might have ADHD if there's anyone ever taught you about that? And, and she went, "Oh yeah, yeah, I was diagnosed like five years ago, but I just didn't think I needed to tell you and I was like, "Oh, okay, so that makes lots more sense now we can kind of go a bit deeper so i'm I'm glad that you've you know you've told me that, um because now we're we understand, but I could recognize you know everything she was saying to me mm. Um, she'd just not really kind of done much about it. she'd had the diagnosis and kind of just thought well, I'm just gonna put that to one side and just carry on life as as normal. Um so now I hope that, you know, the fact that I've flagged it up again for her, you know, it is it is something that she can work on. But um it is you're right, it's very interesting to see who comes forward that presents with ADHD Um, and it's lots of people that you'd never consider like very highly successful and accomplished people in inverted commas um, that you just would normally say oh no way but we now understand that it, it so many people can have it and still live their lives but we don't know what's going on you know literally behind behind the mask right yeah
0: I meant to ask, did you ever take medication or have you tried it?
2: So I've not tried it yet. Um, and I'm not saying not, um, I'm just saying at the moment, I'm not taking medication. I'm hopefully managing it the way I always have done through lifestyle and well-being, And, you know, that's something that's, I've really got, you know, I've been quite passionate about. I am totally for meds if that's what's right for you and perhaps, you know, who knows in a year's time I will be on medication if I'm sort of finding things harder I know with women with hormones as well that as we get older with perimenopause and ho- and menopause that you know loads of other things are thrown into the fire so at the moment I, I manage it through trying to look after myself and through the EFT but you know who knows what's going to happen in the future
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. I ask every woman because I'm really just sort of crowdsourcing because I'm fascinated, (laughs) because so many people have said it's been life changing and it's been wonderful. And I but I also sort of felt like, well, I've just turned 46. I've been spending a long time, you know, setting myself up for dealing with what these symptoms were, you know, so there are certain things, you know, like, uh, diet and exercise uh, that i realize now where i think like oh these these are things that i intuitively came to that i know help me and and help my symptoms mm. and manage my symptoms so i'm very fascinated by what when people say it's working for them what exactly they mean by it's working you know and what it's doing for them because i've i'm curious uh, and i actually ended up going on vivance for a couple weeks and I, after after about two and a half weeks, I stopped because I just wasn't noticing any different. And, okay. and again, I'm sort of like I'm not sure what I'm even looking for. But <laughs> yeah. um, I think it's such an ongoing journey of tweaking and and figuring out you know what are my symptoms now and what's causing them and and yeah in my environment and all of that. I agree. I think it's like if as long as we we
2: don't kind of like limit ourselves and we we're happy to kind of like you say tweak it along along the way then it, at least it gives us options um, but yeah i mean i'm i'm kind of used to operating the way i operate but you know if if i feel like something in my business isn't quite working or or something at home's not quite working i would definitely consider it so i feel that uh, women it's an amazing choice that we once you diagnose that you've got this option and and to never feel shamed or never feel that, you know, you shouldn't take that option. Uh, I think you've got to the point where you've been diagnosed, then definitely have, you know, make sure you explore these options and don't stop at the last hurdle because you're worried about what people might think. So I think that's important.
0: Um, okay, so we talked about the ambitious mum. That's where people can find you. And for you Americans, it's M U M. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how can people reach out to you? How can they work with you?
2: So I'm on Instagram. So if you follow me, it's um, at Coaching by Kate. Um, mm-hmm. Again, on Facebook, um, Coaching by Kate. My website is coachingbykate.me.uk. Um, so if you just kind of, I guess Instagram is probably the best place to find me. That's where I'm most kind of like um, active. I'm hoping to do more workshops around EFT and ADHD where I can um, talk about different subjects. And then I hope, you know, you know, my kids are being homeschooled at the moment. So I'm just trying to manage my time. But um, I have a few slots with one-to-ones, but I'm hoping to expand on maybe some online group workshops like you know courses and and things like that. So yeah, if you just keep in touch, I've got a mailing list with my ADHD clients. So I send you all my details of, of stuff that I'm working on. So I keep you up to date. Um but yeah I would love to hear from you. Thank you. And I work with lots of Americans in different time zones. So that's not
0: not a problem either. Now that we're all stuck at home though it's like <laughs> we're all yeah. one, you know, it has been it has brought us it has brought the world together in a strange way. All broadcasting ourselves from our living rooms or wherever we are (laughs) exactly uh well thank you it's been so lovely chatting with you and hearing more about your life and your insights it's been really delightful thank you it's been a pleasure thank you so much for having me there you have it thank you for listening and i really hope you enjoyed this episode of the women and adhd podcast also As you know, we ADHDers crave feedback, and I would really appreciate hearing from you, the listener. Please take a moment to leave me a review over on my website, womenandadhd.com, or on Apple Podcasts, or Audible, or whatever other platform you're using. And if that feels like too much, and I get it, then just take a few seconds to give me a five-star rating. Boom, done. Or share this episode on your own social media to help reach more women who maybe have yet to discover and lean into this neurodivergent superpower and they may be struggling and they don't even know why. Make sure to tag me on Instagram or Twitter. I'm at womenandadhd. If you are a woman who was diagnosed with ADHD in adulthood and you'd like to be interviewed as a guest on this podcast, please reach out to me. My email is womenandadhdpodcast.com at gmail.com. If you'd like to know more about me, head over to worthitwithkatie.com. That's where I help other women with ADHD break free from the yo yo dieting and binge eating cycle for good. I'll see you next week when I interview another amazing woman who has recently discovered that she is not lazy or crazy, but she has ADHD. And now she's on the path to understanding that neurodivergence and finally using it to her advantage.
1: That's radio, B-E-E-T-S, dot com, code DEAL.